This morning we read from uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 31. Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 12. And as we're reading this passage this morning, um, we're not going to focus so much on the spiritual gifts that this passage talks about. But we're going to focus on the theme and the principle behind it. The diversity of the body and the unity of the body. So as we're going through it, think of those, the diversity of the body that Paul's talking about, and yet calling us to be unified as well. So let's read from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 31. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given, through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. And all these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And He distributes them to each one, just as He determines. So just as one body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we are all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many body parts, but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, and the hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? The answer is no. Now eagerly desire 
the greater gifts. Now, complementing what Tara started off with, talking about plants and gardening, some of you may have a green thumb and enjoy gardening and could be familiar with the term of companion planting. Companion planting is understanding that there's a number of vegetables or plants that grow better and work together in a garden. Planting certain vegetables next to each other can deter insects and and inhibit growth. If you Google companion planting, you can find and download compatibility charts to design your vegetable garden to have optimum growth and success. You see, there are better ways to grow your garden. Your garden doesn't just have to survive, but it can actually thrive. The diversity of vegetable plants working together in one garden ensures optimum vegetable growth and production. And you know, when you think about it, God has created much of nature to be rather diverse. And yet, many parts of the ecosystem are created by God to work together to complement each other. We see that in this world. We see that as we're reading about the human body, or you have some knowledge about the human body. And so it is with the spiritual body, the church. Now, 1 Corinthians 12 doesn't really talk much about companion planting. And as much as Scripture provides agricultural illustrations throughout, Paul's not using one in this chapter. In fact, he uses the illustration of the human body as an example. And actually, these verses are often preached when encouraging spiritual gifts in the church. But as mentioned today, we are again not going to look so much at the details of the passage, but rather at the big picture. And this big picture in this passage is about the diversity of the body, and yet coming together to be unified and to get optimum success and optimum output. Now, the context of this passage, there was trouble going on in the Corinthian church. And they were a disunified bunch of believers. They were abusing their spiritual gifts, and the people were proud to have gifts and and to use each gift for their own purpose. And as a result, the gifts were not being used for the church, and the people were led to believe that they were blessed with these gifts for themselves. So some of them were using these gifts for wrong purposes. And they were using them for the self-glorification of themselves rather than God-glorification and serving God and serving others. Some believed that their gifts were more important than in others, and this ignorance led to a misunderstanding about the spiritual gifts and led to an inactive church. The misappropriation of spiritual gifts led to a disunified church. You see, the diverse body of people was not working together as one unit. But rather, different parts of the body were acting like they were totally independent bodies. Their self-centered achievements led to a misunderstanding of what it meant to be one body of Christ. While churches today may or may not be misusing and abusing their spiritual gifts, but the point is that the principle of unity is equally as important today. Unity is necessary. And it's necessary not just to survive, but to thrive. To thrive as a church. For the past several weeks, a group of us has been gathering together on Tuesday evenings for a faith formation class. 
One of the books that we're studying is uh, titled Reformed, What It Means, Why It Matters. And as we entered into this book and started discussing this book, we began talking about different denominations. And the book compares different denominations as speaking with different accents. Perhaps a Christian is speaking with a Baptist perspective, or an Anglican perspective, or Reformed perspective. And each person is principally speaking the same language, but with a different accent. And you see this not even not only among denominations, but can be taken into the micro-denominational level. Even in the Reformed denomination. Yesterday I had the honor and privilege to officiate a wedding in, in Kitchener. And somebody following that wedding came up to me and had mentioned how diverse the group. It was a Reformed reform believers and the group of Reformed believers was so diverse. And when I thought about it, there was Heritage Reformed, and Netherlands Reformed, and Free Reformed, and Christian Reformed, and United Reformed, Canadian Reformed, and Reformed. I imagine there were some non-Reformed and non-believers, but I couldn't pick them out. And as thinking about it, it's like we are still one body, even though we come from many different Reformed backgrounds, different Reformed accents. You see, even in the Christian Reformed Church itself, and even in the local Christian Reformed Church, we will speak with different accents. There are different perspectives that Reformed Christians will emphasize. Some will emphasize more of a doctrinal accent. Others will not forget about the doctrines, but will focus more on an accent of thankful living. And others may even focus more on a kingdom-minded accent and, and being more transformational with themselves and in the world. We are created as diverse individuals with different accents, but the same language. Paul, in Scripture, refers to this as many different body parts, but one body, as we read in verse 20. Verse 4, it refers to the diversity of the people and the reality of that. Paul states that there's different kinds of gifts, there's different kinds of service, there's different kinds of working. Paul is really stressing that the human body is diverse. And he's really stressing that the spiritual body is diverse. The church. The church has been created by God to be diverse. And yet to work together in a way that the body works together. Or like companion planting. Matthew 16, verse 18, we read that the church was Christ's idea. Ephesians 5, 25-33, Paul talks about the church being Christ's bride. Ephesians 5, 25, that Christ himself or gave himself up for the church. You see, the church is a big deal. The church is a big deal to Jesus. The church is a big deal to us. But having said that, we don't worship the church. We don't worship the building, the programs, the organization. We worship Jesus Christ, who is the groom. And who is the head of the church. But the church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, is a big deal. Dietrich Bonhoeffer stated that the church is only the church when it exists for others. The New Testament body metaphor provides us with a visual that God wants people in this world to see the church. To see Christ's body. The church present in this world. 
The church is a living body of Jesus on this earth. And it's to reflect the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the world needs to see the church as one body. Not body parts kind of scattered all over the place. When you think about it, that's kind of a gross thought. But Paul states in these verses that there are differences. Accept it. Just accept it. But the same Spirit. Accept that. There are differences, but the same Lord. There are differences, but the same God. And there are many parts and diversity, but one body. And God demands unity because God created us to be unified. And again, so the world can see a body. A church working together for God's glory. Building His kingdom. Not just surviving, but thriving in His kingdom. Now the unity of God's people is not only referred to in the New Testament. Old Testament talks about it too. Psalm 133 verse 1, David wrote, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And he begs the question, well how good is it? And David goes on with the remainder of the psalm. It's like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And then this is the whole psalm. And it's all about unity. Being anointed by the Holy Spirit. And how refreshing unity is among God's people. So when it comes to unity, when it comes to being unified, I think there's probably a couple of things that we need to be reminded of. First, is that we have to not always focus on what makes us us different. We've got to be aware of our diversity, aware of our different accents, but perhaps we should focus more on what brings us together. Because it's so easy to look at what brings people apart. And it's too easy to just get hung up and distracted with our diversity. Yes, diversity is a good gift, but don't let it distract us. Also, it's no coincidence that this passage precedes 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 12 does precede 1 Corinthians 13. But you know the 1 Corinthians 13 passage. It's the passage on love. 1 Corinthians 12 is a passage on diversity and unity. 1 Corinthians 14 continues about diversity and worship and gifts. The love passage is sandwiched in between these passages of unity. And as much as 1 Corinthians 13, the love passage is often used for husband and and wife and marriage passages, and it's a beautiful passage for that, this passage is actually meant for the church and the diverse body. Because when there is diversity, we need to be reminded of love. We need patience and kindness and respect and humility and grace. And you get the point. Read 1 Corinthians 13 again. As leaders in the church, as pastor and elders, deacons, and other leaders, we are called to be examples of this love. And we all have a responsibility to lead with love and grace. And others will see our integrity and be unified as well. 
when we have integrity gaps as leaders and when we fall short, we need to acknowledge our shortcomings and we need to recommit to God and to His people. Secondly, as we look at what brings us together and what unifies us, let's not forget who brings us together. I think it's clear that verse 24 and 25 answer it because it says God has put the body together. So there should be no division. God's put it together. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. The Holy Spirit is the who who creates diversity. The Holy Spirit is the who who brings us together. Dr. Craig Barnes in his book Body and Soul states that the Holy Spirit is more invested in the church than we are. And as verse 7 states, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Everyone has been equipped by the Spirit of Jesus to be part of the church. And that's what this passage states in verse 27 where it says, we're all part of the body for a purpose. So when it comes to unity, unity is given to the believers by Jesus Christ through the Spirit. Human beings, we cannot create unity. Unity is a gift of the Spirit. So as believers, it's our calling to guard and to protect this unity, to keep this unity. And we as individuals, we bond together as the church in order to guard this unity, to maintain the unity of the Spirit. And you can read more about that in Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 4. Now, I think we all know that the church is not the way it should be, and it's made up of sinners. Thankfully, forgiven sinners... And the church is not always like companion gardening, nor working together for the common good of the body. But we are the body. And we are the body for the common good. The Holy Spirit has invested himself greatly in the church. And we're created to be a community. We profess our community-mindedness at baptisms. We profess what we believe about the community of saints through our creeds and confessions. When we make public profession of faith, we profess to be longing to Christ and to His church. We're a community called together and held together by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will encourage and empower each person to be unified because that's necessary to not just survive as a body, but to thrive as a body. Being obedient to the Holy Spirit enables us to become a healthier body, a healthier church, and the church that pleases Jesus. As members of one body, we complement each other, we work together, and we strive to move forward in one direction. And we can accomplish so much more. When a body has momentum and is moving forward all together, what a powerful and beautiful uh, representation of Jesus Christ in this broken world. Jesus Christ gave up his body on the cross for the one body, for the church, which continues to represent Jesus on this earth. In response to this, as the one body of Jesus Christ, we need to be prepared to reflect the body of Jesus in this dark world. We need to build our body together and to serve Him and His church. And we're called to do this in unity through the same Spirit, the same Lord, and the same God. We do this, yes, as a diverse group, different gifts, different service, different workings, different accents, 
loving one another as one body. And each one of us, each body part, intentionally needs to do this. And each part makes a difference. I conclude with this short story about how each part and each person makes a difference. And you'll probably notice sometimes I like to repeat stories because we are creatures who need repetition, myself included. So this story is a repeat. But I think it's worthwhile. A young man was walking along the ocean. He saw a beach on which thousands and thousands of starfish had washed ashore. Further along, he sees an old man walking slowly and stooping often, picking up one starfish after another and tossing each one gently back into the ocean. Why are you throwing starfish into the ocean, he asks. Because the sun is up and the tide is going out and if I don't throw them further in, they will die. But old man, don't you realize there are miles and miles of beach and starfish all along it? You can't possibly save them all. And you can't even save a small percent of them. In fact, even if you work all day, your efforts won't make a difference at all. And the old man listened calmly and then bent down to pick up another starfish and throw it into the sea. And he replied, it made a difference to that one. People of God, as part of the body, everybody makes a difference. And we are to grow and to remain healthy. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, continue striving together to be one unified body. God has put us together like plants in a garden. He's put us together as parts of a body in this place for a purpose. And perhaps we need to reaffirm what that purpose is. And that's a sermon for another day. But unity is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're called to respond and called to thrive, reflecting our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, to a broken world. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for your church. We want to thank you for the diversity of your people. We want to thank you for your spirit that creates such a diversity, but also creates unity. So Lord, we come before you and ask for your forgiveness where we've been guilty of disunity. And this has occurred among different denominations. This has occurred in a reformed denomination. This has occurred in our local churches. And Lord, where we leaders can be better examples of unity, use us for those purposes. Where your body can be better examples of unity, use this body. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, continue to work in us and among us. And may we strive to be obedient. May we strive to find out what pleases you. And may we strive to not just survive, but to thrive in your kingdom and in the power of your Holy Spirit in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.